Monique. Um, by the way, we sent out a, a link and you could fill in the testimonies. So Des Monique, that's what you wrote, Des Monique. More than a month ago, a sliding gate fell on my hip after Bible school two, two weeks ago. Kaya asked me if I have pain in my lower back. Kaya's over here. And I was in a lot of pain. He prayed just a few seconds and my back went numb. The pain left and it's still gone. Praise God. And then Hilda Marie, she's sitting there at the back. She said, God healed our baby son of extreme stomach cramps. And for me, this is a, a massive miracle. Whoever you've been trusting for little kids to be healed, just to sleep. So this is hopefully a testimony that will stir all the mothers and the dad's faith. God healed our baby of extreme stomach cramps after he needed to take antibiotics twice at a very young age of around seven and nine weeks. He had episodes of hysterical crying where we struggled to calm him. Pain medicine didn't really have a significant effect to calm him either. We also had a baby like that. It's horrible. After the service, Hanukkah announced that she feels that someone needs healing of stomach cramps. I took him to the front. She prayed for him and he's been peaceful. He has been his peaceful self without those extreme crying episodes since. Praise God. He's so good and gracious and kind. Our entire household are so grateful for this as we can spend more quality time with our older two kids now. And my husband and I actually also get time together. Although short, it at least exists now. Hey, hey, hey. God is so interested in our hearts, desires when it aligns with those with what is close to his heart also. All honor to God. And then, um, Johan Fuster, you know him. After my double successful hip replacement, I generally felt much better. However, I had a severe burning sensation in both my hips, probably because I'm physically very active. Furthermore, in February, I strained ligaments in my right knee and had a lot of pain and discomfort. After praying for healing, all pain and discomfort in my hips and knee disappeared. It is healed. Thank you, Jesus. And then the second part of his testimony, I have had no sense or sm of, uh, of smell since 1988, a result of the destruction of my sense of smell after pouring explosives. Well, after the second round of prayer, my sense of smell was completely restored. God is so good. All glory to him. Amen. And then we have Gerard there. He is not just stand up for us. He doesn't use his cane. No crutches anymore. That's awesome. Can you, can you? Amen. Resting in Jesus. Can you maybe just pick up? Your wife and show us that you <laughs> completely ill. <laughs> awesome. And then, Liesl Fivers, you said you also share with us a quick testimony. Yeah. So this is also for me. This is a great testimony. Nancy preached on also the stewardship of our bodies because God wants to heal also through the stewardship of our bodies. Now, I was really struggling with a lot of pain in the side of my um, shoulder for more than 10 years. Um, and I kept on praying and asking people to pray for me, but I didn't get healed. And then 
the Lord um, made a way for me to be able to go to the gym. And then the first time that I um, worked with the weights, I realized that I don't have any muscles in the side of my arm. And I started to just slightly started to exercise this arm. And the pain left because I exercised. So the Lord heard my prayer. He made a way for me um, to get this healing. And I just needed to exercise. So all glory to him. Amen. Great. So stewardship is also important. And just uh, another testimony from from work for a living. So um, Mandisa and Ina and Walter, they hosted a bunch of facilitators they're going to send out to start these centrums, centers in different um, areas of South Africa. So if you don't know work for a living, so they get people employed, work with the poor, and they're trusting that the Lord will raise up an army of disciple makers and use jobs and entrepreneurship to to get people into this discipleship program. So I was with them on, on Thursday, and what we do is we just do a quick gospel presentation, then I invite people to get saved. So uh, more than six of them gave their hearts to Jesus. Ultimately, five of them got baptized on the Friday uh, in, the, in the swimming pool. But there was one lady that really stood out for me. She was a facilitator. So she came to be equipped so that she can help other people. And she said she thought she was a Christian. But while they were teaching on ancestral worship, she realized that she cannot serve Jesus and the ancestors together. This is a testimony. So we made an altar call. She gave a heart to Jesus. And then while I was praying for her, she started getting these migraine headaches. Like, and she would, in, you could see in agony, she would just go down and say, ah, pain and she didn't want to come close to me she later on said that as I was praying for her, a voice in her head said give me what you have give me what you have just almost challenging me to show the power of Jesus and then that a demon started manifesting and a demon left and then I asked her just to share with the group so she said for the very first time in her life when she came to church last Sunday because Mandisa brought her to church she experienced these migraines and headaches during worship. And she, it was excruciating. She didn't want to stay in worship. She just wanted to leave. Just the power of the presence of God. And while I was praying for her, she said, and she said to the people in, in the group, it sounded like, like those Sangoma drums beating in my head. And I just couldn't get rid of it. But while I was prayed for, I got delivered and I was healed of these migraines and headaches. And this is, this is what God can do, just even in worship. I was so blessed by her saying that in our worship, she experienced the power of God. So you don't even need somebody to pray for you. You can just say, Lord, in our worship, in what we are now doing in the spiritual atmosphere, and that is exalting who Jesus is, Christ and Christ crucified. He died for every sin, but also for every sickness. I claim that because that's what you said. That's what you did. And I take this for myself. Okay, so with these testimonies also what happens is our faith gets lifted. So we're going to pray now again for people that didn't get healed. Again. And again, it's not the person praying for you that will give you the healing. 
it is Jesus that's in this room, that feels welcomed in this room, that will bring healing. Okay, if God can do it for these people, he surely wants to do it also for you. Okay, can we do that? So if you're sick in your body, I want you to stand. Any kind of sickness. Like, Johan, if, I, if you asked Johan before that meeting, is, is he sick in terms of his smelling and taste, he would, he would have said no, because he didn't even think of God healing that. So anything that you want God to heal, just stand up quickly. Okay, great. Okay, then, awesome. Anyone else? Great. We even, even have the doctors and the occupational therapists standing there at the back. That's amazing. We have lots of doctors in, in our midst. And that is, that's great. So we can verify the healings that's going to come. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so you guys are standing, and you guys now are the ministry team. Okay, so I want you to walk across the room, go to this person, and just quickly ask them what their name is and what's wrong with them. You don't have to get too much detail. And then the group that's praying around them, all you need to do is you focus on Jesus and Him crucified, like we're just saying now, and we understand that He died for our sins and for our healing. And you can just receive. You can say, thank you, Jesus, that in your kingdom, in heaven, and we are, we are told to pray as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. So, Lord, I know there's no sickness. None of this exists in heaven. So I'm taking this now. This is the inheritance that you have given me in Jesus. Okay, can we get the people to stand up? You're allowed to walk around. If you're a leader, just go to these people. Stand next to them. Or you're just a visitor. You can also just stand next to them. We're just going to pray for people. So remember to ask their names, what's wrong with them, and just pray to the Lord. You don't have to pray long. Just ask them, is there, is there anything that they sense in their bodies? Do they feel a God's touching them? Or even can they test it out? Do they feel there's less pain? Just ask them. And if there's less pain or they're sensing something in their bodies, remember what Chuck showed us last time? It's like seeing that blue sky, that first patch of blue sky.
And if, if you're praying, you're allowed to smile. Very devil. Okay, so just ask the person. You don't have to pray long prayers. Just ask the person if they felt anything or if there's any alleviation of, of pain. And if, you, if, there's, if there's pain that's gone or complete healing, I just want you to wave your hand. If, there's, if the pain is gone, just wave your hand. Sinus, okay? Great. Is a minor snow loss in your neuses? Okay, look me, okay, quickly, if you can just focus here with me, just focus here with me again. Can you let me look for my cake? Okay, so. Who have you experienced, those people that were prayed for, who have you experienced the presence of God or experienced breakthrough, even if it, if it was just a little? Just wave your hand. You just experienced the presence of God or break breakthrough. Okay? So what are we going to do now is we're just going to do a short prayer. So choose one in the group and you're going to say, the bad must go and the good must come in. That's all we do. And we do it in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, whatever bad is in this person, because it's a sickness or work of the devil, we tell it to go right now in the name of Jesus. Just a quick prayer. Okay. Okay. Okay, so what we're going to do is, so if you were here last week Sunday with Chuck, so he showed that, that great metaphor of, of changing the weather. So if you see the blue sky, in other words, you just saw cloud and now you suddenly see a blue patch of blue sky. If, if you can see that, and let's just all, all do that together. If you can see that there's a breakthrough, a little bit of breakthrough. Just raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Okay, let's. No, that's this is all muscle, right? Obviously, this is 
Okay, one, two, three. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, great. You can take your seats again. So I've seen this now that we pray for people and it's, we don't even know if, if something is happening. But prayer is always powerful. And then only afterwards you realize there was a healing, um, there's something beautiful that, that happens. So go and check your bodies after the service or even during the service. And then you come with a testimony because it stirs faith in the rest of the people to actually pray for people. And it shouldn't only happen inside the four walls of the church. It should happen outside also. Imagine you walk there in the mall and there you see, there's Jeanette. She's praying for a lady. And then you walk further and there you see Clyde. He's praying for a guy with a springbok top because he's, he's praying for him. That's already a... A miracle. He's praying for it. Because if you, if you think of it, God wants to heal. And if you, your percentage maybe now is, so you've prayed for 100 people, only one got healed. That is enough. That person experienced the power of Jesus. But now if you pray for 1,000 people and your percentage of seeing healing is still 1%, then you have 10 people that got healed and experienced the power of the Lord. So I love what Randy Clark says. He says he realized it's just the more he prays, the more people get healed. And the more people get experience or get to experience the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, so keep on praying for people. So I want to end off this series with just taking some time time out to focus on what is the standard of the word. So in the, in the fourth century, they used language to describe the Bible. So back in the, in the early, early church, they didn't know which books to include in the Bible. So they had a bit of a plan on how to put the Bible together, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but they didn't know which books and which are the books they need to leave out that the early church fathers wrote and which are the books they need to include. And then they start referring to the books that they included in the Bible as the canon. And canon comes from the Hebrew Greek word meaning cane or measuring rot. And it passed into Christian usage to mean norm or rule of faith. So they said, hey, this, this, the Bible is the standard of what we believe. And we're not going to drop the standard. This is the standard. We are now finalizing these 66 books. And we're saying this is the standard of Christian living. This is normal Christian living. So when we experience that God doesn't come through, and some of you have already had that experience. You've prayed for somebody, somebody didn't get healed. You maybe prayed for somebody and they died. So your experience tells you that God is not maybe into healing. Or your experience tells you that, hey, you're not anointed enough. Or what Gerard said, that you must make it, you must make it happen. You can't just 
trust the Lord. Somehow you need to get the right formula. You need to say the name of Jesus three times. You need to use his voice to pray. And then it's going to happen. So this is your experience. But what does the Bible say? So what I want us to do today is we're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to say, Lord, as a congregation, as Christians, we're going to take this to be the standard. The standard is also a promise. So for me, it's like telling Devin, Devin, you know what? You are running the 100 meters in just under 11 seconds. That's, that's fast. It's incredibly fast. Your mom's really proud of you. But as your coach, I know that there is a higher standard for you. You're actually called to run the 100 meters under 10 seconds. So is, is this offensive to Devin? No, it's not offensive. I'm actually just calling out the potential that's already in him. I'm saying, I believe in you, Devin. You might not believe in you in yourself. Your mom still thinks, well, you're great just the way that you are. But you know what? I am calling you higher. And I believe this is what God's doing with the church. Like, hey, you guys are doing fine. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are getting set free. But there's even more. And what we would love to say yes to is that. There's even more. Because ultimately, the more is not to get us a platform or to feel better about ourselves, but the more is so that Jesus can be more glorified in our midst. Jesus must be glorified through the kids' church. He must be glorified through us, the adults, the so-called mature people. He must be glorified in every area and aspect of life. So God's always saying, hey, there's more. So there's this tension, and Chuck spoke about this, He said, there's the tension between being really grateful. We are really grateful. 11 seconds for 100 meter is faster than Daniel. When Daniel is really fast, man, he is great for a young man that's very fast. So thankful. Thank you, Jesus. 16 and a half healings in our church. Amazing. Through a month. Lord, it's so great. People's lives are permanently changed because of our faith that we put out, and the promise that manifested through the, power, through the power of Jesus Christ. So grateful. But Lord, we know that there's more. We can run under 10 seconds. And we should not only influence the people within the four walls of the church, we can now start influencing the malls and the business that you are involved with and the education institutions that our children are involved with. Lord, We are called to more, and we say yes to that. And often the reason why we don't say yes to that is because we don't like growth. You don't like to be challenged. All of us are like that. We love our comfort zone. Even in in ministry, Arthur and I spoke about it this morning. Like, it's easy for me to do deliverance. To drive our demons, it's really easy. For Arthur also, because we've now seen so many people getting delivered of lots of demons. But this healing thing challenges me. Because I have a lack of exposure when it comes to healing. So I'm taking you with me on this journey. Say, Lord, if you did it, I want to model Jesus to everybody around me. So I'm saying, yes, I want to come along. So I want you to say yes 
to that standard. I want you to say yes to growth. I want you to say yes to getting out of your comfort zone. And I also want, to, want you to say yes to me and the leadership of this church challenging you to say there is more. There's more for your faith. There's more for a healthy lifestyle, what Nancy spoke of. There's more to discipline. There's more to miracles that God wants to do in and through us. Because what's the goal? The goal is to glorify Jesus. To glorify Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to see Jesus and Him glorified. If I think of... For instance, going back to student life, and everybody said to me when I was on my way to varsity, that is the best time of your life. I never want to go back there. Not because I messed up, I really enjoyed it, but because of the growth that I experienced since I was a 19-year-old. Growth is painful. Even going back five years, I don't want that. I don't want to grow through, hey, Armour, you're still full of pride. Hey, Armour, you still need to learn this. Hey, Armour, you think you were good at this. I'm telling you, you were useless at this. And somehow I just made you blind for your own character flaw. And you pushed through it. And I put you into the deep end. And thankfully, I made you swim. Well done, Armour. You are growing. So let's say yes to that. So Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, it's the book of Proverbs was, was written so that we, they can give instruction to kids, to young, young men and young women. So it says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So this is so important. Yes, for our relationship with God. Yes, for our marriages. But also for the health of our bodies. So let's make this the standard when it comes to healing. So to, to summarize what I said in, in the first sermon, I talked about faith and Jesus rebuking the disciples so many times for a lack of faith. Oh yeah, of little faith. Let me help you. You don't see yet, but I've brought the kingdom with me. You're still living in the kingdom of this world. And you are so overwhelmed by what this kingdom brings to you, the kingdom of this world. But I have a different kingdom, and I'm going to show you what you can do if you tap into the resources through the relationship with me of that kingdom. And we saw that Jesus was always willing to heal. It is his will to heal. And for me, a beautiful story of this is in Matthew 8. man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he is a person, he has an illness, and somehow he believes that God can do it, but he's not sure if God's wanting to heal him. And we must get rid of that lie. God wants to heal you. He wants to fulfill the days of your life. He wants to touch you. He wants to give you a breakthrough. 
He is a good dad. Somebody said, if you really think that sickness is the will of the father, then why go to the doctor and mess up his plan? We know somehow we love doctors. We love medicine because we, we love to think of, hey, we're going to eat healthy and we're going to bring nutrition into our bodies because we know that there's healing. There's healing for us and it's available. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, which back in the day was already a out of comfort zone act. So he's touching a leper. In the Old Testament, you weren't allowed to touch lepers. They had a colony outside of the four walls of the city, and they were living there. Nobody was allowed to touch them. So Jesus touched this leopard out of his comfort zone, and he said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. So Jesus is willing. And then something that, that Chuck did very well on, on the Monday night, those of you who were here, he looked at all the scriptures where it says that Jesus healed all. So I want to I challenge you, find a scripture where Jesus didn't heal. Find a scripture. And then you come and tell me that scripture. So I'm going to read th- through some of them. Because the word of God is the standard. And if we really believe that this is the word of God and we receive this, it will start to grow faith in our hearts. And we will see more of this. Matthew 4, 24, news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So Chuck made people stand here in a, in a line, and they had to read these scriptures. And every time when somebody says, all, the whole congregation had to go, all. Okay, so you're allowed to scream it out this morning. Just like you screamed at Rasi Erasmus for not getting a reputable place kicker into the team yesterday. Matthew 8:16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a with a word and healed all the sick. Oh, you rock wakker love it. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease, every disease and sickness. Luke 4, 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each of them, he healed them. And then Acts 10, 38, so this is Peter speaking, he said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so this is the standard of Jesus' ministry. And we are not allowed to lower this. This might not be your experience, but we are not allowed to lower this. And it's the same with everything in life. Every theological doctrine that we adhere to, we take what the word says and we adhere to that. If if the Bible, if the Bible says you are forgiven in Jesus, then remove the shame from your shoulders that says because you slept 
with somebody before you got married, and therefore you need to be under shame, and in your marriage, you're going to have failure in all the areas of intimacy. You need to remove that from your shoulders and from your heart, because that's the biblical standard. It doesn't exist in the kingdom. So what you are doing, if you are lowering the standard, you are saying, okay, one foot in the kingdom of God. So I believe some of the things that Jesus said, but I don't believe all. So I'm going to have another foot in the kingdom of this world. And you know what? Who is the Lord of the kingdom of this world? It's the devil. So the devil is going to play with your linker being the altar. So put both your feet in the kingdom of God. Say, Lord, if it's not in heaven, and you said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand, then I'm going to proclaim this to come into my world, and it will eradicate everything that's not in heaven. And that includes sickness. It includes difficult marriage. It includes difficult children. It includes a difficulty in getting your purpose in life. The kingdom of heaven Everything that's the will of God manifests there. So for me, it's, it's easy to think of, hey, God, where do I need to grow? I just think, is this in heaven? No, it's not in heaven. All we need to grow with patience. All we need to grow with your frustration with people. All we need to grow in this area. You don't have victory yet because it's, it's not in heaven. And because I'm in Jesus, I have access to the fullness of heaven and all the resources. So I'm going to take this now into my earthly living. So Jesus healed all. But the apostles' disciples didn't heal all. So there's a standard, and, and we're going to live in this tension where we pray for people that don't get healed. But it's not for us to decide the standard. It's not for us to now say, God cannot move through me because I didn't pray for five hours and didn't fast for 50 days and therefore God didn't heal. No, we just give God all the glory when something happens and we don't take discouragement when something doesn't happen. And Chuck said it so well. He said, if you're going to take the discouragement onto yourself when somebody doesn't get healed, you're also going to take the glory if somebody do get it, does get healed. So don't fall into that trap. So it has nothing to do with you. We're just agents. We say, hey, we have this kingdom of God with us. And we know that God has allowed us to partner with him to bring about advancing this kingdom. So we're going to bring Jesus' reign. Timothy was encouraged to use a little bit of wine for frequent illnesses. So he didn't get healed. But Paul says, hey, drink wine. Some of you are like that. Paul left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. And then we see Jesus' disciples could not drive out a demon connected to their Caesars. And for me, this is a great example. Because Jesus then comes and says, hey, you have so little faith. Let me show you how to do it. So our inability doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want to do it. Us not seeing it doesn't mean that God will not still do it. It just means that we need to bring that person to the Jesus. We need to step 
into a closer relationship with the Lord. We need to see through His eyes what's happening. So we're going to live in this tension. Jesus healed all. His disciples didn't. We'll pray for people and people will probably not, all of them will get healed. But we are called to, to administer the healing power of Jesus to everybody. So if it's not in heaven, then God wants to heal it. But we're not going to doubt the character of God if God doesn't come through. We're going to carry the grace of God through this difficult valley of doubt. And when you say, I know that this is still the standard. I'm not going to drop the standard. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on trusting the Lord for this. So why does healing not happen? Because there is a curse in place. Okay, we're going to get to the good news. There's a curse in place. Because of disobedience, Adam and Eve, original sin, a curse came upon everything in this world. And when we are disobedient, we invoke that curse into our sphere of influence. It says, in Deuteronomy 28, speaks of the curse and blessings that comes with disobedience and obedience. The Lord will afflict you with boils of Egypt and with tumors, festering sores and the itch from which you cannot be cured. And this is not God's will. He's just saying this is the result of disobedience. So we're going to look at what that disobedience is in a moment. Deuteronomy 28, 22. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. Have you heard of confusion of mind lately? What's happening in our generation? Deuteronomy 28, 61. You will be afflicted with diseases that are not mentioned in this book of the law until you are destroyed. So that is the curse that's on the land. And when we are disobedient, we invoke that curse. And we say, hey, we are stepping into the curse of this world. Because remember, there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Who is the ruler of this world? It is Satan. Jesus himself said this. He acknowledged this. But he brought a new kingdom into this world, and we are partnering with him, and we are advancing his kingdom. So as we are advancing his kingdom, all the benefits of the new kingdom will start to manifest. So disobedience is a big thing. And disobedience includes generational curses. So what does that mean? It means that we all, because we are a couple of generations away from Adam and Eve, we are all influenced by this. That's why we will ultimately die physically. Because that's a curse that came in through sin. And it also speaks of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is disobedience. So you're invoking curses that came with sin. It's not God's will to curse us. But if you are outside of the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of the devil will reign in your life. 
There are only two kingdoms. Some of us try to wave the neutral flag. We are a white flag people. Okay, Lord, I just want to keep this sin in my life, but I also want to serve you in this area. If you keep this sin in your life, what are you doing? There's a little door and the demon's going to come and fly in and they're going to start cursing you. So Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all His commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Heavy words, but it's true. It's in the Old Testament. Jesus, Jesus said, none of this will disappear. And you shouldn't take any words from the law. You shouldn't take it away. But in me it is fulfilled. So here's the good news. That Jesus then, he became cursed for us. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the curse, we've just heard what the curse is. It includes sickness in our bodies. From the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. So in Jesus, that curse is broken. So if you then have sickness and you have been cursed, because that is what happens to your body if you are sick, you are literally under the curse of this world, then in Jesus you have access to healing of that specific thing. Because Jesus broke the curse. All sickness came from the curse. So when I read the Old Testament. I actually love reading and trying to find these curses. Because I'm like, whoa, okay, great, great, Jesus. Madness of mind, confusion. Thank you, Jesus. You broke that curse. I'm going to minister this to me, and I'm also going to minister this to other people. You broke it in the name of Jesus. He needs to leave because Jesus broke the curse. Every sickness, illness. Jesus broke the curse, so that is the good news. But the reality is, if you're going to place yourself through disobedience under the king of this world, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer in your soul. You're going to suffer in your spirit. And you're going to suffer in your body. It's a reality. This week I was sitting with, with a person and there was just, you could see the devil just sabotaging his life. He, there's breakthrough and then the sabotage come. And then what came out is that for the last couple of years there was secret sin in his life. I said, hey, listen here. I'm not going to draw the lines here. You need to find that out from Jesus because sometimes we just want the recipe. Okay, now, yeah, you, you have asthma, therefore you have this kind of sin in your life. Don't do that. That's not from the Lord. That person must go and hear from Jesus himself. Hey, Lord, where does this come from? All I know that you are willing to heal me. I'm not under the curse anymore because I'm in Jesus, so I command this to leave. Because there is secret sin, you could see the curse manifesting in his life. So do not hide your sin. And also, it has to do with stewardship of our bodies. 
cause and effect. If you're going to binge on sugar, you're never going to exercise, you're only going to eat the wrong food, what's going to happen? We know that. Cause and effect. That's how the world works. Jesus works the other way around. God can then heal you. He can heal your mind. He can heal your body. He can heal everything. He can give you the discipline to have graces, to have access to resources to follow the will of God for your life. And that includes discipline. He can get you to the gym. He can get you to a health eating program. He can bless the food that's maybe not as organic as you want it to be, like Nancy preached. I love that. Because you say, Lord, this broccoli is not organic, but I'm blessing it. It is better than organic broccoli. So let's say yes to the standard. And while we're saying yes to the standard, let's also understand there's this reality of two kingdoms. And we want to be obedient to this king. He's in relationship with us. There's so much grace. Even if we fail, if we fall, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm just calling you higher. There's grace for you. I love this from being a pastor. Guy comes and he admits the worst kind of sin. Cries his head off. I'm like, never in my life, I, I don't even want to touch your hand. I don't want to even be close to you. you so, it's an awful thing. I look that guy in the eyes and I say, listen here, God has forgiven you. Because <laughs> that's true. And I will touch him and hug him afterwards. Because that's how gracious our God is. And God's calling us into this. So there's that faith element to know that God is so good. And he, re- he wants to remove these things from our bodies, from our souls. <laughs>